Welcome to Built Modular, a Vanguard Modular podcast. We'll help you discover just how flexible modular construction has become and how it is helping make life better for real people facing real space challenges. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Built Modular, a Vanguard Modular Building Systems podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. And folks, thank you for joining us on another episode of Built Modular. I want to make sure to point you in a few directions so you're getting all of the Vanguard Modular content you can. Make sure you're going to our website at VanguardModular.com. Again, VanguardModular.com. If you want a full breakdown of previous episodes of the podcast, as well as more information on our services. Plus, we have more content than just podcasts. We have videos, articles, blogs, all chronicling different trends and uh, different highlights of modular construction in different industries. So if you're looking for more info on modular construction or want to get in touch with us about our content or services, head to our website or hit subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Just look up Built Modular. You'll find us there with a full catalog of previous episodes and notifications whenever we drop a new one. So modular construction as an industry continues to grow, and it's not just anecdotal growth. An August 2019 report from the Commercial Construction Index showed that modular construction as an industry has been growing over the last five years, doubling in size to become an $8 billion industry. COVID has also reaffirmed the need for modular construction in different ways, as health centers seek quick and efficient physical solutions to treatment and emergency operations, just to name one of many. So as modular construction continues to grow and continues to be reaffirmed in different industries, so do questions about cost of those projects. What drives the costs of these projects and how do you strategize around that as a building owner, building operator uh, or business owner? So here to give insights on the capital expenditure, the operational expenditure and everything in between of modular construction is Paul Lubertine, Director of Construction and Contract Services for Vanguard Modular Building Systems. Paul, great to have you on. Welcome to the podcast and I'm looking forward to breaking this down with you. How are you doing today? Good, Daniel. Um, it's a pleasure to be here with you, and I look forward to the opportunity to speak with you this morning. Absolutely. We've got some main questions to go through here to better understand uh, exactly what motivates costs for modular construction. So let's jump in. Uh, I'm excited to get your thoughts on this. Uh, first, can you give us a little more information on how long you've been in this industry and some of your own, I, I guess, personal journey around modular construction? How long have you been in this side of the industry and how long have you been you know, leading and advising on projects? Well, I've been in the modular, uh, commercial modular building business for about 30 years. Uh, in addition to that, I've also uh, spent some time in the conventional construction world working for construction managers and general contractors. I've been involved in uh, estimating project management uh, as well as business development and sales aspects related to, to both commercial and modular construction. 
So uh, I mentioned a few stats and variables up top during the intro. Do those reflect what you're seeing within the industry regarding modular growth, a a doubling in size over the last five years, uh, as well as some of the more recent COVID context that is, uh, you know, driving new installations? Give us some context there from your perspective. Yes, absolutely. We are seeing, uh, you know, the industry has had some tremendous growth over the past five years, as indicated the you know, through our company, as well as, you know, the industry as a whole. Here recently, earlier this year with the outbreak of COVID, we've seen a, a great deal of uh, uncertainty in, in many market segments, in particular, the education market, not knowing how to handle schools. Uh, you know, are they going to be in session? Do they need more space for social distancing? And uh, we are seeing a lot of activity and inquiries from, in particular, school uh, you know, educational users, uh, as well as some medical and and uh, industrial users as well, you know, related to the COVID. And I know I mentioned uh, COVID being used as a uh, motivator for modular construction in healthcare. Uh, have you seen COVID ramp up modular construction in any other industries or in any uh, other context within healthcare? How has COVID uh, changed some of the trajectory and growth of modular construction as a strategic decision for businesses? Well, I think at this point, it's it's early in the process. We have been uh, receiving lots of uh, inquiries from, from primarily educational users, school systems, private schools related to COVID, uh, you know, overflow temporary classrooms overflow for social distancing. And we are getting orders and putting in units and and doing projects now, but it's been very early in the process. If you had to give us a broad cross-industry analysis, how varied would you say modular building projects are today? And which industries are driving most of the modular construction projects that you've worked on in the last five years, let's say? And I think this is going to help visualize how varied the potential cost drivers are because of the cross-industry growth in this uh, architectural uh, decision-making. So, yeah, give us your thoughts. Yeah, the industries that we're seeing most of the activity in have been the uh, education market, you know, both K through 12 and higher education, commercial office, and some industrial and laboratory uses, as well as medical. Those are the industries that, that we've seen. And, uh, the, you know, the costs vary between those industries because of the use of the building and the equipment and, you know, the connection of utilities to support the equipment within those buildings, within those applications. And just at a surface level, when you look at those different industries, are there different cost drivers for each of those projects that are industry specific? And do you often see the industry itself that, uh, you know, is taking on this project be what uh, motivates some unique cost drivers, depending on, uh, you know, on, uh, obviously which industry we're talking about? Um, there are some cost driver differences within the industries, in particular with the use of the building. You know, for instance, a laboratory use, uh, is going to have uh, specialized equipment, fume hoods, med gases, different uh, water treatment uh, conditions within the building. That's going to tend to drive a laboratory building to be more costly than, say, a, a typical classroom for a K through 12 application. 
So let's get into the specifics on cost drivers then. What would you say are the most straightforward variables that uh, influence the cost of a new modular project today? Let's go ahead and list them out and then give some uh, detailed information on why they are driving cost today. The cost drivers that affect the project primarily are your, your building size, its application, whether it be a typical office or a, a classroom or a laboratory or a medical facility. Your building specifications will, will impact the cost, but, but those can be controlled because they can be designed, they can be manufactured offsite, and those conditions are controlled with, you know, being built controlled environment and the process of obtaining materials and cost for that are are relatively, I don't want to say risk-free, but but relatively controlled. The biggest factor I, I think that affects every project in in the modular industry is certainly the the site conditions. Many factors involved in the site conditions, um, which are, are unique to each different project because each site is different and has its own set of challenges. Some of those items related to site would be the topography of the site, whether it's you know if it's on a flat surface or whether it's on a hilly surface. Those affect how we place the building. We'll, you know whether it needs to be graded. Certainly a, a sloping site will have uh, some variation in foundation costs because of the height of the foundation system. The second item related to the site conditions would be the placement of the building. Is it a freestanding building or is it going to be connected to an existing structure as an addition? The freestanding buildings need to be placed in a way that, um, you know, there's a typically a separation between the 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 two buildings as required by code for, for fire separation. So those need to be taken into, into consideration. Sometimes the, uh, an owner or a customer has a, a need to have a building placed adjacent to another building, which brings out some other additional costs for fire fire rating between the buildings, uh, which has to be built into the modular. Um, if a building is placed, as a mo- if a modular building is placed in, as an addition, uh, which is connected to an existing building, there's a variable amount of factors involved in that with constructing a, a connecting corridor or connecting structure to connect the two buildings. There's fire ratings uh, involved in that. And, um, and that, of course, that's an extra cost because it has to be designed and, and built on site. Other items relative to the site are the availability of utilities. Is there an adequate domestic water service? Is there sanitary sewer, you know, within reasonable proximity of your building? It's dependent on the, the length you need to go uh, to connect to those utilities and the size of the utilities will be a, a variable in the cost of the project. Additionally, also electrical services. Where is a suitable source to connect the building to adequate electrical power and uh, water connections for the fire sprinkler system. Perfect. Thanks for that breakdown. Uh, So within the ones that you've listed out for us, which do you see as being the ones that are hardest to predict, right? The, uh, The variables that are fluctuating the most and that often create the biggest pain points for your clientele and why? Well, certainly all of the uh, utility connections are need to be investigated and engineered. You know, when you go out to a site and do a site survey, you need to 
sort of determine whether or not these services are adequate to support the building. There needs to be sort of a parallel engineering. Um, you need to complete some of the engineering on the modular building to see what what the overall, for instance, the overall electrical load is going to be to determine if if the site has capacity within existing there or whether a new site or a new service needs to be brought to the site. Um, those are all uh, things that need to be, you know, well thought out and engineered. Additionally, regulatory requirements, each uh, different jurisdiction has different regulatory requirements for building on a site, whether it be a, you know, a new site or a, an, an addition to a site. There, there are things like stormwater management, handicap access, uh, all sorts of things that need to be uh, considered and are you know, typically things that need to be worked out through the engineering process with, with a with a civil engineer locally. When you're interfacing with your clients, who is the individual or team that uh, you're often interfacing with directly? You know, who, who is actually overseeing these costs and cost drivers and has a you know, specific ownership or stake over the project usually? Yeah, that varies from, from owner to owner. Typically, let's say a higher education uh, use, you know, where we're working for a university or a or a college, many times they have a, a facilities engineering department and they will have project managers, um, engineers, architects on staff that are you know highly qualified and they really have a good understanding of what it is they wanna do and they have a good understanding of, of their campus, um, where, where utilities are, where a building could go practically and um, you know, so, you, you know, that is, uh, you know, a big advantage. Um, some of our some of our other clients uh, are typically, you know, sometimes they're just the business manager of the office or, or of the of the school or the organization. And they will rely more heavily on us to provide these answers and provide these engineering solutions for them to complete the project, to develop a good, accurate estimate and to have a successful outcome on the project. Now, of the variables that you listed out for us, which of those do you imagine are most hidden or most um, uh, conditional for the clientele that you're often working with? And how do those more, uh, I guess, covert cost drivers, right? The ones that aren't immediately straightforward and in your face and ones that are uh, easier to strategize around. How do those impact uh, your clients as well? Well, I think the, I think the factors that are most hidden are or at least require some research to identify are the regulatory requirements. What is the local building department and zoning department going to dictate? You know, what are they going to allow? What what sort of conditions are uh, you know affecting the site costs that that aren't identified yet? So we typically have to spend time with them or with our our civil engineer to develop those issues or develop those cost factors. Additionally, there are certain tests that, that we recommend that our clients perform on site. For instance, typically a geotechnical uh, engineering analysis to determine the soil bearing capacity. 
to determine, um, you know, if there's presence of rock or, or water or other unsuitable conditions that could affect the cost as we get into construction. So with all of that in mind, Paul, uh, to wrap up the conversation here, what is your recommendation for how businesses should gauge their own situation and best create a cost-aware modular construction plan? Where do you start? How do you stay on top of it? And how do you make sure that the cost drivers are under control during the entire length of the project? The most important thing a, a client could do is to is to team with a, a modular building company such as Vanguard, have us involved in what we call the pre-construction services, where we investigate the site conditions, we investigate the factors that are going to impact the cost, and we try to address those up front and put a cost to them, and, and not have any surprises down the road when we hit to hit the construction phase of the project. You know, as I mentioned, for instance, the geotechnical engineering to determine soil conditions, uh, investigation of the regulatory requirements, uh, working with uh, their engineer, we can we can develop a, a project that can that can mitigate unforeseen risks and in, in added costs later in the project. All right, Paul, thank you so much for giving us your thoughts here. Any final words of wisdom you want to leave with the audience as they uh, look to modular construction for future projects, keeping all of this in mind? Well, modular construction offers many advantages to to users. Uh, the reduced time frame for modular projects compared to conventional, uh, the flexibility of leasing as well as purchase, and the the engineering that goes into the project up front to ensure success. Working with um, an owner to to investigate and mitigate some of the unknowns with with regard to the site development and placement of the building on site can uh, can alleviate unforeseen costs down the road. All right, Paul Lubertine, Director of Construction and Contract Services for Vanguard Modular Building Systems. Thank you again for joining us on the podcast and giving us this breakdown of the main cost drivers that are impacting modular construction today. Uh, if folks want to find out more about Vanguard's work in the space or potentially reach out to y'all to assist in a project, where can they go to learn more? Go to vanguardmodular.com on the web and we'll, you'll find all our information there and, uh, you know, a local contact that can help you on your project. Fantastic. Paul, thanks again for joining us. Thank you. And thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of Built Modular, a Vanguard Modular Building Systems podcast. If you like what you heard and want to listen to previous episodes, make sure you're subscribing on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Once you hit subscribe on there, you'll have a full catalog of previous episodes as well as notifications whenever we drop a new one. You can also find this content on our website at vanguardmodular.com. Again, vanguardmodular.com. And on there, you'll have full access to podcasts, articles, videos, blogs, and more about the modular building industry, plus more information about our services and how you can get in touch. Thanks again for listening. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Till next time.